Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. Hey, what's up? My name is Adam. Welcome to Christ Church. Uh, we are in a series called Making Gains. And we're talking about uh, where we are. We're asking the question, where are you in your faith and where are you going? And here's the deal, guys. Listen up. Every single person in this room, no matter if you are a non-believer, you do not believe in Jesus, you're coming to check this out and just hear about who Christ is, or you are the oldest person in the room and have been following with Jesus for your entire life, you still have to answer the question. I have to answer the question, where am I in my faith and where am I going? And it takes two things, and we talked about this the very first week. It takes honesty. It takes to be honest with ourselves, honest with one another, honest with the leaders that are around us, and it takes some integrity, because we can't just be honest in this place and then go outside of this place and say, you know what, it doesn't really matter. I can kind of fudge a little, do a little bit of here and there, and just be a different person. So what we're saying is, hey, we want to make gains And we want to take the next step in our faith. And so we've listed four phases or four categories, okay? So it's the it's the maybe you're you're in this category, a non-believer, somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't know who Jesus is, and that's that's fine. We're glad that you're here and we're glad that you're learning with us because we're getting to know Jesus as well. And maybe you're in the category of uh, just being a church attender. You come to this place, maybe you're a new Christian and you're excited to be in this place. Maybe you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time and you were dragged to this place and you're sitting there just looking at my shiny bald head and wondering when I'm going to stop talking uh, because the amount of your faith is just in this building and that's just the church attender. Or maybe you're a kingdom worker. Man, I know who I am, I know I have my identity in Jesus and I know what the next steps are and I'm going to live that out, being a kingdom worker, doing work for the kingdom. Or maybe you're a disciple maker. Maybe you're at a place right now where you are making disciples that make disciples. At the end of the day, whether you are a non-church goer or a non-believer or you are a disciple maker, we all are in the same boat answering the same questions. Where are you and where are you going? Tonight we're going to conclude a three-part series, a, a section of this where we are looking at knowing Jesus. Because before we can know where we are and where we're going, we need to know who Jesus is. And so tonight we're going to talk about who Jesus is and what he did. And let's pray, okay? Will you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for your faithfulness, God. We thank you for uh, sending Jesus uh, on our behalf um, for all of creation uh, to be restored and renewed through the, the resurrection God, we praise you for the fact that we get to come to this place and learn and grow together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I have a two-year-old daughter, and she is the cutest thing on the planet. Let's, let's, there she is. She is adorable. All right? Yeah. Uh, I, I may be a little biased. You guys can agree? Yeah, I agree. She's really cute. Here's the deal. She's cute, and she's downright selfish, I'm being serious. No, she's selfish. She is the most dis- disobedient person I know other than myself. I mean, she will constantly, consistently be disobedient. And here's the deal. She even, in her obedience, is selfish. Because in, initially, obedience is selfish. 
There's two forms of obedience. Obedience in the performance base, I do something to achieve something, right? I obey to achieve. Or the fear base, I want to obey so I don't have to suffer the consequences. And she's gotten to this point right now where she does, it doesn't matter the consequences. Like it doesn't matter what we put in front of her, you know, the terrible twos that's happening right now. The reality is she will straight up like, she's kind of like in this hitting face, like she'll smack me and she'll be like, hee hee. And then she'll smack me again. I'm like, oh, that's really annoying. And then she'll say this, she'll say, time out. And she'll look at me with this little grin. It's like, dude, you know what you're doing. And you're just saying like, I'll take the consequences. Time out. We do that. I do that, right? We do that. You do that all the time. We know right from wrong. I mean, it is ingrained in us. It's in our DNA. We know what we're doing is either right or it's wrong. And when it's wrong, when we're disobedient, what we do is we're like, time out. We don't care the consequences. You know, Paul says this, I know the things I don't, I, I should do, right? And I don't, I know the things I shouldn't do and I still do them. And so we get that. And on the other end, we also know when it comes to obedience, the things that we gravitate towards are performance-based or fear-based, and we treat the gospel like a religion. I have to do X, Y, and Z in order to earn something, or I shouldn't do something because I will go to, that was when you said hell, yeah, I will go to hell. And that's kind of where we gravitate. Uh, it is in our DNA. It's from the very beginning, Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden. Paul says it this way about Adam. He says, uh, in recounting the creation uh, uh, story, he says, for as by one man's disobedience, Adam's disobedience, uh, the many were made sinners. Many, all of us were made sinners. You know, disobedience is always selfish and it's always slanted towards the three things that we talked about a couple weeks ago and temptations with our, our pleasures, our possessions, and our position. And we gravitate towards these things and we're consistently disobedient and we need a picture of what true obedience is without the performance and without the fear. And Jesus displays that and complete selflessness, absolutely and, and utterly perfect, focusing on others. King Jesus, the creator of all things, came in human form to our hood, to our neighborhood, dwelt among us, and was perfect. He obeyed privately when he went out to the desert and, and the devil was tempting him he could have, he could have, he could have given, it, given in to those temptations, but he didn't. Jesus was obedient to the Father in prayer every single morning and in the word every single day. Jesus was ultimately obedient to death, dying on the cross for us. Jesus got on the cross so that we can get off the couch Jesus got on the cross so that we can get off the couch. So that we can stay off the couch and be in obedience to him. Not out of performance and not out of fear. But our obedience is with gratitude. 
Because the reality is we cannot have gratitude along with a performance-based and fear-based model or mindset. And Jesus says you are no longer slaves to performance. You are no longer slaves to fear. But you, we, me, we are a child of the Father. And the Father sent his son to die for us. Let's sing, let's stand and sing about the truth of the cross and the beauty of the resurrection. We just sang about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and we sang these words, and you guys were beautiful. He is alive. But do you believe it? Do you believe? Yeah, I heard one, yeah. He is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus, his death, his resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. It changed the whole course of human history. It changes why we think what we think, what we think. It changes what we do. It changes everything, everything. And if you're like me, you've heard that time and time again, and you probably are saying these words, I know, I know. So what? I'm going to share another story. I told myself I wouldn't do this in having kids, but it's just so good with illustrations. My daughter, she says, I know, I know, I know. At two years old, like I'll try to have her do something and she, I got it, I got it, I got it. I know. And she's not saying those words per se, but she, that's what she's doing. I, I want to do it. It's me, me, mine. Olivia. And she does it. I know, I know. And then she gets to a point where she gets frustrated because she can't do something. And then she'll scream, I can't. And it's not like, I can't do this. You know, she doesn't say those words yet. She's two. But it's an emphatic, I can't do this. I need help. You know, if you are like me, when I hear about the resurrection, and I hear what my response should be, and the resurrection, that I actually have to do something. Like that, this changes my life. If I believe that this is true, if I believe that Jesus is alive, if I believe what I'm saying and what I'm singing actually matters, then it, then it needs to change my life. And so I'll say, I know, and then I'll get out of this building and I'll scream, I can't. You guys with me? I know about the resurrection. I know that it changes everything. I know what Jesus did for me. I know, I know, I know. And then we're challenged to take the next step in our faith and we say, I just can't. You know, I want to venture to say that I know and I can't are the most debilitating words or phrases in human history. They are the things, they are the phrases that freeze us in our tracks. They are the phrases that prohibit growth in our life. I know, I know, I know. Or I can't. I know says that I'm not willing to learn and grow. And I can't says I'm not willing to step out in faith and allow Jesus to do something big in my life. Can we do ourselves a favor? 
You know, could we stop saying the words I know and I can't? I'm, I'm with you on this one. I told Sherry after this week, I need, to, I need to discard those phrases from my life. I know, I know, and I can't. Because the truth of the matter is, we have so many opportunities right at our footstep. We have so many opportunities to grow in our faith. We have so many opportunities to learn. We have so many opportunities here at Christchurch. We have so many opportunities beyond what we have here on Wednesday nights. We have an opportunity to maybe take a step and say, you know what, I want to surrender to Jesus through baptism. Maybe that's an opportunity for you. We have an opportunity to say, you know what, I, I want to I submit myself to, to people around me to speak into my life and to a leader that's, that looks like Jesus and, and be a part of a discipleship group. Or, or I want to I I take a step in faith and I want to go on a mission trip. I want to go to the Dominican Republic during spring break. I want to forego whatever my family has planned and I want to do something that's going to break down the walls of I know, I know, I know, and I can't, I can't. You know, regardless of your go-to phrase, it limits our learning, it yields our growth, and ultimately it blocks ourselves from being complete in Jesus. And I would venture to say that all of us in the room on some level want to be the best versions of ourselves, actually want to say, you know what, or actually want to take up what Jesus says, that you can live life, this life, this, this crummy, nasty life full of sin and death, that you can actually live it to the fullest. Despite that, despite us and our shortcomings, we can live life and life to the fullest through Jesus Christ. But it takes us foregoing the words I know and I can't. You know, what would happen if we were completely, utterly obedient to Jesus for the sake of the gospel, not for performance or for fear, but for for his sake, for his joy? What would that look like? How would your life be maybe different? How would your life look the same? Uh, There's an author, his name is Robert Greene, and he, he coined the distinction of time that we spend. Uh, time is our greatest resource that we have. Uh, over money, possessions, everything else, time is our greatest possession. And he has two distinctions of time. He, distinct, he coins this phrase. He says, there is dead time when people are passive and waiting and alive time when people are learning and acting and utilizing every second. You know, I would say that dead time, uh, we utter the phrase, I know. You can write that on your cards. Dead time equals I know or I can't. And we just sit idly, passively. Oh, dude, you know what? I'll take my faith seriously when I go to college. Yeah. Or, you know, I'll take my faith seriously when I have a family. Don't count on it. I hear that all the time from young people. The time is now. Passively waiting, dead time. I know and I can't. A lifetime. That's taking up the phrase, I will. Not maybe, not sometime, not a passive 
way of stating it, but an emphatic, I will. Jesus got on the cross so that we could get off the couch and say the words, I will. I will do battle every single day against temptations, the possessions, the positions, the pleasures of life. I will get on my knees every morning in prayer and surrender to the King of kings and Lord of lords. I will open up my Bible and get to know him. Not maybe, not sometime, not I forgot about it. I will. I will be obedient, even if it causes me to stand out among the rest. I will be made fun of, be ridiculed, be casted out from my friend groups. I will stand up to know who Jesus is and in return know who I am and be fully alive. And when we say I will, Christ does. He did and he will continue to make us fully, utterly alive. Church, will you stand with me and utter these phrases? Just scream it out. Come on, stand with me right now. And as a declaration, we can just say it together. On the count of three, I will. One, two, three. I will. Where are you and where are you going? You guys can be seated. You know, I'm going to venture to say that there's, there's somebody in this room that have, has been thinking about baptism for quite a while. Uh, been thinking about surrendering to Jesus and the commitment that that brings. You know, maybe that's you. Uh, I know there's another camp in the room that uh, you're sitting there, hey, I've been baptized. But maybe you right now know somebody that you've been talking to. You've been sharing your story, which ultimately is Jesus' story. But you've been sharing your story with them sharing your life with them. You've been blessing them. And they're still wrestling. You know, maybe they're wrestling with the thought of sur- complete surrender. Maybe they're wrestling with the, the act of being baptized. You know, baptism is something that we practice um, it's been practiced for thousands of years that we, we practice as a church. It's a symbol of this, this confession, an inward transformation that has happened. To say, I want to be buried with Christ in the watery tomb and lifted with Christ as resurrection. You know, maybe, that, maybe that's you tonight. And I want to challenge you uh, to talk to a leader about taking that next step. Or maybe it's you in the room that has one, two, three, four, five friends that should be with you tonight or should be with you every Wednesday night. Or you've been talking to on a regular basis about their commitment to Jesus and you've been displaying the gospel over and over again. You know, on October 19th, so in a few weeks, in a couple weeks, uh, we're gonna have a baptism night. And so we're gonna have an opportunity on a Wednesday night uh, to, to confess, to, to express this inward transformation that's happened, and to say, I commit to Jesus. 
And we get to rejoice as a church family, as, as a high school family. We get to rejoice with our brothers and sisters who've made that commitment. And so maybe in a couple weeks, I would love more than anything to see your friends, you, come in complete surrender to Jesus and praise him as the Lord of Lords, as the King of Kings, as your Savior. We're able to do that. We're able to express ourselves through the sacrament of, of baptism. And we're able to also remember Jesus, what he's done, what he continues to do through the sacrament of communion. Sacrament is just a, a, a fancy word to say that it's, it's sacred. There's something about it that is, that is mysterious and holy And the reality is, Jesus is meeting us right where we are through baptism and through communion. We get to commune with Jesus in the breaking of the bread and the partaking of the juice. The bread symbolizing Jesus' body that was broken for us and the juice representing Jesus' blood that was shed for us. And every Wednesday night, we get to celebrate what Jesus has done and continues to do in and through the life of his church and all over the world. And all of our brothers and sisters everywhere were united in these things. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing. And I want to encourage you uh, to find a station in the back. There's four stations to go and partake in the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the fact that despite us and our, our fallen and broken attempts to meet you, you don't even... Don't even allow us to take the first step, but you meet us exactly where we are. And it's through your grace and your mercy that you pull us out of the rubble, out of the rubbish, out of our sin, and you make us new, you make us clean. And God, so we just, we sit here tonight and we reflect on your goodness. We reflect on the fact that we are your children. We reflect on the fact that we don't need to earn your love We don't need to fear the fact that you won't love us. No matter what we do, no matter where we go, you love us and you will continue to love us. So Father, I pray that we would remember this tonight as we partake in the Lord's Supper. May we remember your death, your burial, and ultimately your resurrection that gives us life and life to the full. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.